Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Brothers and sisters, we have breaking international pro wrestling news coming out of China. That's right. New Middle Kingdom Wrestling China Tag Team Champions have been crowned. And not only new, this is the first Middle Kingdom Wrestling China Tag Team Champions in history. All right, I am talking about C2NY, my man Buffer, and DC Chen. Congratulations, fellas. You know, they, they fought so hard in the MKW Tag Team Tournament. And they made all of their opponents bleed, sweat, and pay the price of a wrestling lifetime. You gotta head over to Middle Kingdom Wrestling China's YouTube. You can also check them out on Twitter and Facebook just to keep up with all the amazing things going on on that side of the world there. But I gotta tell you right now, when we talk about C2NY, the new MKW World Tag Team Champions, that puts the entire industry on notice. I don't care where you are. Australia. I don't care if you're in Japan, the United States of America. I don't care if you're in Timbuktu. If you want to make the world know that you're serious about tag team wrestling, that you can compete, if you want to test yourself against the very best, then you got to check out Middle Kingdom Wrestling China, and you definitely got to check out the MKW World Tag Team Champion C2NY. Once again, this is the Duke, host of the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. I am so excited. I don't know what to do with myself here. All I know is my man Buffer, my man D.C. Chen, we're going downtown to party, baby. That's right. I'm Harry Burkett, senior writer with Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I'm Kevin McElbaney, editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Duke Love Wrestling. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. And you just heard it right there, folks, the special report. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited. You know, Middle Kingdom Wrestling in China, the, the amount of growth that they've had over the past five years, five plus years, and, and it really coincides with Duke Loves Wrestling. It's just something special. I mean, there's there's really no other way to describe it. It's just something special. I really love what Adrian and his whole crew is doing over there. Top-notch wrestlers, top-notch wrestling. And, and there's a reason why they've continued to endure uh they just they're that good they're that good in fact they're not just that good they're that great okay so i was thinking to myself self how can you deliver something special to the duke loves wrestling audience this week you know something that that could really knock their socks off and i said you know something self i got it because everybody knows that the Duke is internationally known and preferred, baby. We already know that. So I had to uh, call in a few favorites here, some of my people, okay? And I have for you this week, legitimately, one of the most exciting, hardworking, must-know stars on the indie scene today from all over the world, okay? You just heard a little bit about him. And his partner, D.C., okay, they go by C2NY. So, ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. He is the human boombox. I'm talking about the man, Bufa. Hey, yo! What's going on there, Bufa? Hey, yo! <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. Going good. Good to be here Listen, with you, man. I'm telling you right now, man, I am so excited, and and I know that um, it must be a whirlwind for you becoming the first, one half of the first Middle Kingdom Wrestling China World Tag Team Champions. Talk to me about that, man. How does it feel to have such a historic honor? Oh, man. This is like a dream come true. 
as a fan growing up of pro wrestling and wanting to be a pro wrestler, this is the things I would, you know, sit home and daydream about. Like, ah, oh, when I win my first championship or when I had my first match, when I win my first match. And, man, like, <laughs> it's all come full circle, man. Years later, fast forward the tape, I'm a champion. One half of the MKW Tag Team Champion with DC Chen. Talk to us about DC Chen. Talk to us about DC Chen because here's a guy who, you know, he he's done it all in China. He's been working hard, what have you. But it, it's never was he able to achieve this level of success until he combined forces with the Human Boombox Bufa. Ayo, talk to us about DC. <laughs> oh, DC. Oh, man, he's one of the guys that I've seen. Who man. I, I was so impressed by the kid. You know, I've seen a lot of wrestlers here in China, but he's one of the guys who stood out the most to me, man. He kind of reminds me of myself when I was coming up. Like, he he gets it, you know. He's a, he's a guy who, he, he's like a sponge. He wants the knowledge, and when you give it to him, he soaks it up. He applies it. He, he's a guy who just wants to learn. He wants to get better. You know, and these are the type of people that I like to be around, you know, whether they are younger than me, older than me, the same age as me. I want to surround myself with like minded people and DC and myself. Like, we just, we just mix, man. Like, peanut butter and jelly gets no better than that. Now, you had a, a serious battle in the finals for that MKW uh, World Tag Team Tournament. So talk to us about that match where you you officially won the gold there. Because I know that uh, one person who has been threatening to to beat me up, who has been yeah. threatening to powerbomb me through the ring, is a, is, a, is a nasty Englishman by the name of Big Sam. So So what the heck was going on in that match there? Um, when C2NY took on Big Sam and his partner? Oh, man. The stable. Ugh. These guys right here, they've been a thorn on my side ever since I came to MKW. They were the first match I had in this company and <laughs> the last match I had in this company, as you can see from last week's taping. And I guess, man, this is years in the making. It, it's funny how they made it to the finals against DC and I. But, hey, man, you see the result. The better team won. We're the champions. And it's a lot of unfinished business with these guys. Hey, they don't have to work their way back up the ladder to get a shot. I'm giving them a shot. I'm ready for them. And, hey, man. The result that we saw at last week's statement will be the same result we see once we step in the meeting thing once again. I don't care about the match type. I, I just want these guys face-to-face and finish this business, man, because it's been going on, what, three years? I've been going back and forth with them. It's a little tiring, but, you know, as long as... <laughs> They're on the ground and we're standing above them. Hey, I can do it every day, every night, every hour. You hear that, Stable? You hear what he just said? We're talking about Bufa Ayo. The the human boombox is letting you know, no matter how many times you step up against he and C2NY, we're talking about DC Chen, okay? The MKW World Tag Team Champions. No matter how many times you step up against them, you're going to end up on the ground looking up while they're standing supreme. You better believe it, baby. That's right. Listen, Bufa, I've done my research, okay, because, you know, I'm the Duke. I, 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 I got connections all <laughs> over the world, okay? No matter oh, yeah. where you are in the world, the Duke is going to find out what's going on, especially if it has anything to do with pro wrestling and combat sports. I, I found out that you're actually the first IBEW world heavyweight champion in history as well. Is is that true? 
Yes, sir. Huge accomplishment. And this is going to be one of the biggest accomplishments of my career. Like when I'm sitting back home in my rocking chair at the age of, let's hope, 100. <laughs> this is the match I'm going to be showing my grandkids, my great grandkids. It was me against Jinji. He's the former OWE heavyweight champion. And this was one of the first live wrestling shows in China in like two years since COVID. And if you see this match, which I have on YouTube, you will see one of the craziest crowds <laughs> you've probably ever seen in China. The crowd was rowdy. They were ready for action. Man, we gave it to them. This match is a match I'm very proud of. And, man, like, uh, it, <laughs> it was amazing, man. It was my first, my first championship win in China. So, you already know, man, I, I'm on cloud nine. And this was, like, a month ago, and I'm still, like, oh, uh, man, I'm still buzzing off of it. It was awesome. See, that's why we, we, I'm telling you folks, the human boombox. Okay. Bufa. Hey, yo, this, this is a guy here who means business. He's one of the top stars in the world today. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're in Mexico. I don't care if you're in Japan. I don't care if you're in the United States. I don't care if you're in Timbuktu. When it comes to top wrestlers from around the world, you make sure the name Bufa. Hey, yo, is on your list. You better believe it there. Bufa, a lot of folks don't realize that you're actually originally from the the East Coast of the United States. You're, you're a New York guy, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> New York boy, Harlem boy, Bronx boy. Yeah, man. New York City, I'm a city boy at heart. No matter where I am in the world, I'm still a city boy. All right, so we got we to gotta figure something out here, Bufa, because – there's a lot of misconceptions about the history of foods from around the world. You know, I'm a food guy. There's no way anyone's going to come on the show and not talk about food. It ain't going to happen. Um, a lot of people believe that spaghetti and pizza come from Italy. What they don't realize is that both actually come from China. So you're a New York guy mm. and we know in New York, there's little Italy and there's, there's a, there's a pizza shop and, and a place we can get a, a decent plate of pasta damn near on every corner. So I got to ask you here, Bufa, how does the, the Chinese pizza and the Chinese spaghetti stack up against what you were born with in New York? Mm. It's funny you mentioned pizza because I just had pizza about, and now an hour will go so I have to say, just speaking of the pizza, the pizza here that I've I've had stands up to the pizza in New York, without a doubt. You know, you just need to know what places to go to because there's a lot of places in New York that aren't that good as far as pizza goes. As far as the spaghetti, I'm not too sure about the spaghetti here in China because I haven't eating any. I'm not a real big fan of spaghetti. I was when I was younger, but as I got older and became an adult, I kind of, you know, left the spaghetti behind. So I'm not too sure about the spaghetti here, but the pizza, yeah, the pizza holds up for sure. Well, I mean, it, it's got to hold up because one thing that I've noticed is that when The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is training for anything, especially one of his latest roles or what have you. One of the things that's a, a staple in his diet is pizza. Pizza is yeah. something that he is, his personal trainer insists he must eat. And he certainly does. And that's why the rock looks as great as he does, because all of that working out that he does, he's burning off so many calories and pizza has the right balance of oh, calories yeah. that he needs to replenish and then keep going and what have you. And looking at you, Bufa, <laughs> I mean, you look like you were carved out of out of uh, granite or something, man. I mean, you were jacked up, brother. So, <laughs> so, so let's talk about that. I mean, is it easy to uh, find decent gyms down there in China and 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 get a good workout in? 
surprisingly, man, for me, <laughs> it it's it's not hard, man. I was expecting it to be worse, you know. <laughs> I thought it would be a mission trying to find a good gym here in China, but man, these gyms are state of the art, man. They're top notch. So, man, the gym that I go to now is, whew, it's actually a new gym. They just built it about a few months ago, so everything is brand spanking new. So these gyms and the equipment that we have here in China, oh, man, top-notch. Gyms out here are pretty damn good. Even the worst gym in China is one of the best gyms, like, anywhere else in the world. <laughs> you hear that? So so John Cena, you know, fellow uh, Massachusetts, fellow East Coaster guy uh, with myself and with Bufa, because Bufa's a New York guy. John Cena, the next time you're, you're anywhere in China, make sure you look up Bufa. You guys can go training together and do some some uh, serious weightlifting because literally, I mean, Bufa, you, you look like you, you're just as jacked up as Cena is. So that would be interesting to watch you guys uh, do a workout together and see who can make who tired uh, the, the fastest, so to speak. Uh, that would be something interesting there. Oh, man. Cena is the OG, man. I, <laughs> I'll just be sitting back taking notes, man, holding my own. <laughs> So yeah, yes, man, that that would be awesome. That that would be awesome, man. I would I would love that. Tina is the man. Um, oh. I'm a Tina fan. Absolutely, definitely. I'm. Hey, man, I used to watch Tina, man. I I came up off of Tina, man. Stopped up the dynamics. That was awesome, man. I love the gimmick. I loved it, man. It was it was cool. Absolutely, he was he was on fire, man. He still is in Hollywood, like. Cena's yeah, cool, he, he just came out with that that latest installment of the uh, Fast and Furious series. So it was that Fast Nine. So yeah, oh, certainly, yeah. man. These guys are these guys are, are tearing it up out there. I, I do wonder, Bufa, because you are a black man from the United States. You you packed up everything and you moved to the literally you know a whole different part of the world there, and and you ended up in China. How has that been? Because, you know, we've seen the journey of other folks. I mean, I, I mean, a person that comes to mind initially is Stefan Marbury, who, you know, he's a, a basketball star in the NBA and what have you. And then he made the decision to go to China and actually plant some roots down there and, and live there and, and, and really make himself part of the culture, which, if I'm not mistaken, if he's I think he might even be a citizen now. Uh, in China, I have to double check that. But how has that journey been for you as a black man living over there? I mean, has has it been a, a, a positive experience like we've seen with Stefan Marbury? Oh, absolutely! It's been very positive. It was. I always say it's moving overseas was the best decision I made in my life, both personally and professionally. It's been nothing but positive everywhere I've gone. And much like Stephon Marbury, you know, we're New Yorkers, you know, man. So we're, we're big dreamers. We don't stay stuck in a box. So I was, I was totally behind him, you know, leaving New York and moving to China. You know, I was a fan growing up. I'm still a fan today. He even follows me on Twitter, which is awesome, you know. Haven't gotten a chance to meet him, but I'm hoping to meet him eventually. But Stephon Marbury, he's an inspiration to me, much like John Cena, you know, so many guys. And me moving to Japan, which was the first country I moved to out of the States, I was I was so inspired by like some some of the guys I grew up fans of, like X Pac, you know who had did tours in Japan back in, like, 93, 94, you know. Another guy, Tuko Scorpio, who is a mentor of mine as well. You know, he moved to Japan and trained in the New Japan Dojo. I moved to Japan and trained in the Zero One Dojo. So our careers have been very similar, you know. And these are the guys that inspired me. So I was like, man, as a young kid, I was like, I don't just want to stay here in the States. You know, I want to 
wrestle all, all over the world. I want to learn different cultures, learn different languages, meet different people, wrestle different guys, learn different styles. And that's what I've been doing over the past 10 years, man. I've been living overseas <laughs> since 2011, back and forth from this country to that country, back home in the States for like a few months and right back out. So I just threw caution to the wind, man, and just banked on myself, man. Banked on my hard work and my talents. And, man, I, I took the gamble, man, and I hit the jackpot. Look at me now. <laughs> You certainly did. And I mean, yeah, look at you now. You you look like uh, Slick Rick, the ruler, because you got all the gold <laughs> around you, brother. <laughs> you know? So, so, Bufa, why don't you let everybody know? Because I know that there are folks all over the world who are listening right now who would love to follow your journey. I'm sure there are promoters who would love to collaborate. I mean, you know, in fact, let me let me ask you this. If a, a, another company, let's let's say WWE, Impact, uh, AEW, ROH. If another company reached out to you and said, "Hey, you know, Bufa, we'd love to collaborate with you. We'd love to have you on our shows. See if you can uh, stack up against our talents or what have you." This is an exclusive now. The Human Boombox, Bufa, <laughs> Ayo. Would you consider? <laughs> would you consider? doing matches with another company in order to, to, to prove that MKW and IBEW, is, they're both the premier promotions in the world. Would you stack up against some of these other promotions? Oh, man. I would entertain a conversation with any promotion out there. You know, it's still a goal of mine to wrestle for one of the big promotions back home on television, you know, I've traveled the world, won championships, you know, been on pay-per-views in different countries, been on TV, different countries. But one thing I never achieved was that national television exposure in my own country, the United States of America. That's still a goal of mine. It's something that's still on the bucket list. So any company out there, hey, I'm up for it. I'm totally down for that why wouldn't i be <laughs> you know <laughs> i haven't been home in like so many years so i'm coming back as a brand new man new name new body <laughs> you know it's like a brand new kate pusher a brand new coolie kate i'm bufa ao and i have a lot more to offer than i did back in the days in 2001 through 2014 so I don't see why anybody wouldn't be interested in, you know, giving your homeboy a shot. You, know? you, you heard it here first, folks. That is an exclusive. Bufa, Ayo, is ready. <laughs> he is open for business. He's open for challenges there. If you have what it takes, if you want to challenge yourself against the absolute best that there is out there on the indie scene today the middle kingdom wrestling tag champion at least one half of the tag champions with, with uh, dc shen if you want to test yourself against the ibew world heavyweight champion bufa ayo he's looking for you that's right bufa let everybody know how, how can they reach out to you man how can they connect with you online and and, and check out everything you have going on Ah, sure. You can check me out on Instagram at Bufa underscore A-O. That's two A's, one Y, triple O. It's the same on Twitter. And Facebook is Forrest Marcelo Rhines. The nickname is Bufa. And and we'll spell that for you. That's B-U-F-F-A. Okay. It looks like Buffa. And listen, I, I got to be honest here. I was calling you Buffa because <laughs> that was the easy way to say it. And then you, you, you threatened yeah. to uh, give me the, uh, the Buffa bomb if I didn't straighten out. So I, I, I hope I've done right here. Cause I don't want any problems, man. I, I want to be able to go to China without having to look over my shoulder, have the, the human boom box come over here and knock me upside the head with the boom box. So I apologize for messing up the name earlier, brother. Uh, it's all good, bro. It's all good. <laughs> His name is Bufa Ayo. He is the human boombox Middle Kingdom Wrestling World Tag Team Champion. 
IBEW World Heavyweight Champion. He is a dancing machine. He is muscled <laughs> up. He is a pizza eater. Most and for all, he is a proud New Yorker. Bufa, thank you for joining us this week, brother. Uh, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thank you so much. Shout out to the pride of New York there. Bufa, who's really been tearing it up, not only in China, but as you heard, this guy's been all over the world. I mean, the fact that he spent some time in Japan as well, and that's really why he initially left the United States. I mean, this this dude, you know, he can't miss. He can't miss, and he's so talented, such a fun guy to talk to. The human boombox, Bufa. Hey, yo. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I, <laughs> I'm shaking my head right now because as I'm having this fantastic conversation with this up-and-coming indie talent, Bufa, I'm getting these alerts. I'm getting these alerts, and, and it's just it's fascinating. WWE just released a writer that they just hired. I don't even know if she even started her job. The, the young lady, she did an interview with a non-wrestling podcast. And during the interview, she commented on the fact that she really didn't know much about wrestling or the product, especially WWE in particular. She didn't know the main players. In fact, she called Bobby Lashley, Bobby Ashley. Woof. So, you know... <laughs> And she also made the, the statement that it wasn't a requirement for her to get a job as a writer for the WWE to actually know the product. That wasn't a requirement. And predictably, wrestling fans far and wide, you know, especially those of you who swear you refuse to watch WWE and it's it's not cool and you don't like it and all this other stuff and they're in big trouble. They're in big trouble. And, you know, the ratings say this. So, you know, the ratings and, they, and that Fox is going to cancel their contract and, you know, USA is not happy. You know, all the nonsense that you know who you are, you say out there and, and you read the the goofballs like Dave Meltzer and, and Sean Ross Sapp. You know, Sean Ross Sapp may be... He may actually take the title from Dave Meltzer as legitimately the biggest snake oil salesman in wrestling. Okay? The, the way that this guy teases, hey, new information on so-and-so's contract, subscribe to my Patreon to find out. I mean, just a bunch of baloney. He doesn't know anything about their contracts, which is the worst part. But that's another story. Anyway. You 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 have these concepts, and allegedly you don't care about the WWE, but here you are. You couldn't wait to pounce on this this story. So so let me say a couple things here. First of all, it, it's terrible that this woman was let go from the job, and I don't even think she started, which is even worse. I think she was supposed to be a, a writer for Raw, and certainly Raw needs it because they've been in the toilet creatively for a long time here. Raw has not been the most entertaining show to watch on a week-to-week -week basis. They've had their moments for sure, and, and certainly this past week was great. I really enjoyed it. But for the most part, Raw has just been in the toilet. Uh, and, and I don't mind saying that. And that's not a knock against any individual wrestlers. I'm, I'm strictly talking to the office here. I'm strictly talking to creative. You've done a piss-poor job with that show. And it's frustrating. Because I love that show. And I love that brand. And I and, and I really am a huge fan of the wrestlers who are on that brand. But you guys are not doing a good job with creating compelling content that draws the, the people who are watching in and keeps our attention. You know? I can do a million other things with Raw in the background. When SmackDown and, and when NXT is on, I do nothing except eat, drink, and watch. And also, you know, talk trash online about what I'm watching. If you were to count how many tweets I put out and how many Facebook posts I, I, I put out during these shows, you'll notice that 
for raw maybe the first hour hour and a half you'll see a little bit of volume out of me and then it just it's over for nxt and for smackdown it's it's a fairly consistent because i'm just i'm completely engaged in and interested in what's going on and it's not about the length i know some of you knuckleheads will say oh it's about the link no it's not i don't a three-hour show is great give me more wrestling i love more wrestling i'm not one of those people it's too much it's never too much i grew up on being able to watch many hours you know jesus nine ten hours of wrestling a week on tv back when you know cable was in its infancy wrestling was so cheap and you had so many channels from all over they they would plug in wrestling at different times so I, I grew up on that that's not this isn't a new thing for me but the content has to be good and when you have people who are just creatively bankrupt at this point because they're they're either burnt out or they're not paying attention to what they're doing so they don't they're not making logical steps in how to continue storylines and things like that it just it makes for a, a painful experience when you're trying to keep up with what's going on. Anyway, this lady was let go. And I want to say a couple of things here. So, number one, never happy when anybody gets let go. So, I, you know, I, I wish her the best. Number two, I think that it was a mistake to do any kind of interview when you just got hired for a position with the company and then discuss it especially if you don't know your stuff i don't know what kind of absent-mindedness it takes in order to admit to the world that you don't know something somebody said well she's a comedian she's a comedy writer so maybe she was joking i well clearly she wasn't because she got let go i i don't know what would possess somebody to say something like that just admit that they don't really know the product at all. You don't need to be doing interviews. But I got to say something here. I have never, and I, I've worked in a lot of industry. I've worked in government. I've worked in, in media. I've worked in, in retail. I've worked in technology. Never in my life have I ever had a position in which, before I even start the job, I'm getting approved to do media. Like what? Why? <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know anything. You know, I don't even think this lady was media trained. And when I say media trained, I mean the WWE's version of it. So what are you doing doing interviews? Don't do interviews. But shame on whoever approved that, and shame on whoever has not made it policy that you don't do interviews as soon as you sign off that you're going to you're going to work for that company you don't do interview everything has to get approved i mean, it just boggles my mind so as as unprofessional as i feel that the young lady was because you should know your product and you shouldn't be going out there making the company look crazy by talking the way that you did and I don't feel you should have been let go by that, but I certainly feel like you, you definitely needed a verbal coaching for that. A, a verbal coaching. I got a lot of management experience here. Um, but shame on the company. And I feel that whoever allowed this to even take place, they need to be reprimanded. I don't want them to lose their job, so I don't want that one to lose their job. But something needs to, happen. Something needs to go in their file. Because you're a fool. You're setting people up to fail when you allow them to go out into the world and do these media interviews when you haven't even armed them with the proper knowledge on how to conduct themselves if they're going to be representing the company in any way, shape or form. The company should have never been part of that conversation. So once it became part of that conversation, it doesn't matter how little or how much uh, it was once it became part of that conversation. All bets are off, man. You're representing the company now. So again, shame on whomever are setting people, including this lady, up to fail. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. You know? And it's unfortunate because clearly she's a talented writer. And clearly her experience in other fields 
it's it's something that's desired by the WWE. They're bringing you in to be an outside the box creative voice, right? Because the thing about pro wrestling is that it, it it's everything. It's pop culture. It involves everything. So I understand the notion of people who aren't necessarily wrestling fans. We want them on the writing staff because they they have skills elsewhere, Hollywood, television, what have you. So they're bringing out fresh ideas to the table as opposed to, you know, a wrestling nerd like me who's going to be like, oh, you know, back in 1986 on on April 12th, Ric Flair cut this promo and he said this and that. So what if you do, you know, you don't always need people like that in a room. Trying to to regurgitate the same old crap. And that's exactly who I would be if I was in that position. I'm not afraid to say that. I would absolutely lean on what I've seen in the past that that entertained me and try to modernize it. And that can work, but there has to be balance. Having people who think differently and allow them to be in the room and have some influence and, and show new ways to do things, there's a lot of value in that. So I don't I don't begrudge the company for looking outside of the wrestling bubble for writers I think that's a great idea I just don't agree that any of them should be doing interviews especially when when they're just starting off that's just foolish absolutely foolish and shame on the company for for even not having a policy in place that that just does not happen I can tell you I've never worked in any industry and I don't know anyone who's worked in an industry where that is a thing like you have whole media relations departments that stuff got has to get cleared, man. You can't just go out there and, and, and do interviews. So if this was cleared, then shame on the company. Shame on them. And let me take it a step further. And this is why my my 90 percent of my beef is with the company. I don't understand. And, 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 I'm, and I'm talking to you humanoid fans and, and you ridiculous writers out there too of these these dirt sheet websites not all the websites are dirt sheets but you, i'm talking to who i'm talking to i don't understand what you expect what the hell has the wwe done traditionally to attract women fans think about this for a second how much of the fan base is female Okay, how much of that fan base that's female are are women who are writers? Okay, (laughs) how much of that fan base that are women who are writers who are skilled enough to be a writer for the WWE? Okay, how many of those fans who are women and who are writers and who are skilled enough to write for the WWE are women of color. Do you see where I'm going with this? Is it really a surprise that this woman didn't know the product? Of course not. The WWE has done a piss poor job of presenting something that women especially women of color, can get excited about. Okay? Now, mind you, the last five years, they've they've been completely different from anything they've ever done in their history, and I applaud them for that. But let's not pretend here that they're the hottest thing going and that women are, are, are tuning in and they can't, it's can't miss TV now. Come on. That's a joke. Somebody was asking me the other day uh, my thoughts on the Bella Twins, and I said, listen, Total Divas did more for the WWE than damn near anything outside of WWE programming, traditional WWE program, because it brought in more women. And I know a lot of them brought them to the table and gave them something to be interested in because it was a reality TV show. You got to see that these are real people and you got to see a little bit of how the sausage was made, but from a standpoint of a woman's perspective. And that was, that was very good. 
It was very well done. So shout out to the Bella Twins for that. That's why, in my opinion, they, they deserve to be Hall of Famers because they did more to assist the company and expand it upon their, their fan base, especially as it relates to women, than anything else that had, that had been done. That's a fact. <laughs> but again, the company traditionally has done a piss poor job at bringing in folk like that. So it's not a surprise that she didn't know the product. My beef is she should have never been allowed to do that interview. And if you're doing an interview, do not mention the company. Period. It's, it's you know, we, we are we outsmart ourselves sometimes. And I know it's weird because I have a, a literally an interview show. That's what Duke Loves Wrestling is, right? This is an interview show. It's weird for me to say that. But look, it's true. And I believe it. You know? One of the things that I ask my guests is, hey, you know, is there anything that you don't want to talk about? Because I don't want to put you in a position where you could be running afoul of your contract. This isn't the type of show where people come on and bury themselves unless they know that they're going to bury themselves. Unless they're OK with that, unless they're free to bury themselves because they don't they don't really answer to anybody. So, you know, I don't I don't, I don't feel any way about expressing the sentiment here i just what a, what an overreaction and what a just what a disgusting thing to do for the wwe to, to let that lady go what an overreaction because at the end of the day it's your fault it's your fault you set her up to fail that way because you should have had policies in place that should have never happened they, they there should be no media for any new hire period until they get proper company media training and even then any media request has to be vetted and you got to make sure that this makes sense what do i know <laughs> just crazy man crazy and i'm telling you you know you 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 uh you writers quote-unquote wrestling journalists and what have you get it together man with this this paywall crap get it together I saw CM Punk and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin joke about that, that they need to start charging Sean Ross Sapp because he keeps trying to drive everybody to his uh, Patreon to get the inside scoop on these, these wrestlers in their lives. This is their personal business, by the way. Their contracts are personal business. It's not public record what's in their contract. So you got to go to Sean to get the inside scoop. What a joke. What a joke complete joke and you should take a look at, at the way that he talks to people when they challenge him on the fact that he's a joke that's that's something to see what a nice guy he is or not you know i i got i'm, I'm shooting i'm firing on all cylinders here okay i was thinking about this the other day switching speeds as i was um observing Tony Khan, you know, I call him Anthony, Anthony Khan here. You know, I I know guys like Tony Khan. Follow me on this for a second. Do you remember back in college when, you know, you're getting your first taste of real freedom and you meet people from all different walks of life. They're all genders, all races, all sexual orientations, all income levels, right? Nationalities, they're all walks of life. And I went to a, a fairly international school, so we had them all. But more importantly, because I was going to school in the heart of a major city, and there are other colleges around, it wasn't a thing to go to a place and, and meet people from all over. That's just the way it is, right? I remember going to restaurants and going to bars and going to clubs and seeing people like Tony who have excessive wealth. They could they could buy out the bar every night for the whole school year if they wanted to. Right? For the, for, for their entire college life they they could buy the business and then it's just theirs. I've experienced that before. <laughs> which is a whole other level. But 
you encounter these folks and, 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 and you pay attention to them and you start to realize, because I had a couple of these guys in my circle of friends and, and some of them still very good friends with. So I get it. You know, they have successful parents. They, they, they come from wealth. And success is at different levels. But I mean, when, you're, when your father is a multi, multi, multi billionaire with a B, and he can just give you a hundred thousand, hundred million dollars, and say, "Hey, start your own company, do whatever you want, piss away the money, whatever." That you're dealing with a different kind of individual here, right? Limits, and it, there are no limits for this person. This it's just indulgence, right? The first time I hung out with diplomats. You know, the, the, the children of diplomats was something else, man. These are, I've seen these kids, you know, commit crimes and get away with it because, hey, listen, you know, they're protected, right? Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff that will blow your mind. But, but you go out with them. And it's funny because, you know, like, listen, when I was in college, I was doing all right for myself. Multiple jobs. Um one foot in retail, one foot in, in government, because that's what I was studying, political science. And, you know, I was doing pretty well working in government. So I had multiple streams of income. And even at a young age, I, I had already had stock options and things like that. And, you know, didn't really mess with it. And it was growing because I was with a great company. So there was a lot going on for For a college kid, I was I was way ahead of the game. I was making more than the 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 median household in America as a, as a kid, as a, you know, 18 year old kid, that's unheard of. Right. So I had my own degree of, I was doing all right. And then you have the kids who, you know, their family owns a business. Like you say, they own, they own a construction business or something, or they're, they're plumbers or something. They're doing pretty well too. You know, it's not their money, but it's their family's money. So, you know, they're, they're a different level doing all right. Then you have the trust fund babies. The extreme wealthy, the, the, the kids who come from families that are in the oil business, and things like that. Right. Whew. The Tony Khans. I know his father does the auto parts and sports and things like that, but you get my point. I'm talking about the wealth here. The Tony Khans. It'd be interesting to hang out with folks like this because here's what happens. You go out with them and you don't pay for anything. I remember a buddy of mine whose family owns a a string of restaurants and we could go to any restaurant in Boston and he had a special card that he would flash and he wouldn't get charged for anything. We could order whatever we want, we could drink whatever we want. It didn't matter. He flashed that card and he was all set. First time I ever seen anything like that. It's crazy. Right? So when we go out with these 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 super wealthy folks, they have an entourage most of the time. Right? Because this is a thing. They they want to have a good time and there's there's no limits don't it's not a thing for them. Right? Indulgence is what it's all about. And what the hell is the point of, of having no limits and, and, and being able to indulge in whatever you thought of today if you can't share it, if you can't have other people around to experience that? It's a pretty lonely existence if, if it's just you, right? You need other people around to, to witness you feeling like you're this great thing, right? So what happens? They pay for everything. And that's awesome. They should. They got the money. Why not? <laughs> right? They pay for everything. So, 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 walk with me for a second here. You go to one of the hottest clubs in the city, and first of all, it's very hard to get in. So, the fact that you're on the list and you don't even have to pay the cover is amazing, right? You may not even be old enough to be in there, but you're in there, right? This is college. Follow me here. Now, when you go out to places. There's a certain level. So again, I was doing all right for myself back in college, but I was drinking, you know, let's say if if I'm drinking Sam Adams and Paps for beer, if I'm drinking 
Bailey's Irish Cream and 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 Johnny Walker Black. Love Johnny Walker Black to this day. It's my that's my whiskey right there. Right. You show up with one of these folks, and you're drinking Johnny Walker Blue, and it ain't cheap. You know, you, you're looking at what like fifty dollars a glass here. And they're buying that for the whole crew, which could be 20, 30 deep, <laughs> mostly women, mind you. So you're you're in a whole other stratosphere here, right? Now, no more of the no more of the cheaper stuff. You you order a, a Johnny Walker Black on the rocks, and you might you know that might cost you anywhere, but depending on where you were, especially at that time, it might cost you anywhere from six to ten bucks in Boston. I mean, just, you know, but you're on somebody else's dime and they're paying $50 a, a, a glass for something. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> so you have a good time, right? And they can do things. They can take the glass when they finish it and they can just slam it on the ground in the club. Somebody will clean that up. I'll never forget when I went into a, a, a very popular club here in in, in they kept picking up the napkins, the little napkins, the little bar napkins, and just throwing it up, hey, as they're dancing. And there was literally people with these little brooms, and they were just in between people dancing. They were literally hunched over on the floor, sweeping up the napkins. I, just stuff, you, you indulgence, man. Who can even afford to make a mess? And don't worry, somebody else will clean that up. It's fine, right? Tony Khan reminds me of those kids. And the thing about those kids is that they have to keep the party going in order to be surrounded by people that make them feel like, yeah, you can be whoever you want, but if you're the only person that knows you're that person, what, what good is it? But when you have people around you and you get and you're paying for everything, and you're this big deal because you got the money to be able to do whatever the hell you want. Oh, that might be the cops coming to arrest me here. Then it becomes a, a, a movie every night, right? So so you have these hangers on. And people who are trying to get as much as they can out of you because, hey, you're footing the bill. So you're damn right I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order lobster instead of ordering uh, the fish sticks. <laughs> you know? Damn right I'm going to drink Johnny Walker Blue instead of the Johnny Walker Black or the Johnny Walker Red, which is dirt cheap. Right? That's This is what it is. This is what it is. So put this into context, and this is why Tony reminds me of this. I'm reading that article in the Wall Street Journal where his father says, Hey, I got a lot of money. You're going to be left with a lot of money. Uh, why don't you spend some of it before I die? And then you think that his father gave him the seed money, $100 million, to start AEW. And you think that this guy can develop a video game. The, the company's less than three years old, and you're developing a video game that is so expensive that for the rest of the year, 2021, your company will not be profitable. It's guaranteed. There's no way you're going to be able to close that gap financially. That's how expensive it is to develop this video game. You're literally hurting your bottom line. Tony reminds me of these kids that we went to college with, man. Just... Because he can afford to do it, he's going to do it. But more importantly, because he wants to impress the people around him, these hangers on who were there because of the financial abilities that this person has in order to keep them around, you got to keep spending that money. You don't just spend it on what you want to spend it on. You got to give them what they want or they're going to leave. And that's an interesting situation. here. So, so we think about a video game. What the hell is a wrestling company doing developing a video game in, in, within three years of their existence? Why would you ever do that? How does that make sense? Well, when you got guys like Kenny Omega, who participates in these gaming uh, events and what have you. Oh, okay. Well, I see where that goes. We want to keep him around, right? We I, I, we think that he's the, the best things in sliced bread because he, he can wrestle for over an hour with o Okada, have Okada carry him in the match. Um, you know, he can do all these things, so keep Kenny happy. And even the Young Bucks. You know, they think they're cool and they're hip, and, you know, we got to keep these guys happy. These are my EVPs. What? Do, oh, you guys want a video game? Oh, how much is that going to cost? 20, 30 mil? Oh. 
well, I got to keep these guys happy. So I'm going to sink money into something that I have no guarantee is going to pay off. I hope it will. No guarantee. Instead of focusing on how to improve our product overall. That's what I mean. But you got to do it. If you want to keep these hangers on, hanging on. So I, I say all of that. And this is just my personal assessment. I could be wrong. I could be right. It's my opinion. Okay, I'm not I'm not reporting this as fact. This is who this guy reminds me of. And I've seen it a lot in my life. I mean, Jesus, you know, Tony has an office in my city, so he understands. He was probably one of those guys that I saw in the clubs at one point in life. Well, I think he might be a little younger than me, but I digress. Just remember, Tony. When you turn the faucet off, and it won't be you, it'll be your daddy. When you turn the faucet off. Those hangers on, they ain't going to hang on no more. You sat there and you had a company that you're building up and you managed to to hustle yourself into a, a decent television contract and you managed to find ways to generate enough revenue that your company could be profitable. And in, in fact, you were reporting that they were profitable at one point. Who, who knows if that was ever true, by the way, but that's what you reported. And then you have the audacity to make such a large investment that you hope to pay off a year from now. Are you kidding me? Well, we don't even know about this, this pandemic, if it's even over. And that's what you did. Are you kidding me? How much find it, How much sense does that make for a company that's not even three years old? There's not there's not a business person in the world that's going to say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Hell no. It was foolish. But you had to do it because you want to keep those hangers on, hanging on. But when that faucet gets shut off, Tony, Anthony, I'm talking to you, Anthony. When that faucet gets shut off, they ain't going to be hanging on no more, brother. And you better hope that that video game that you're developing is not the next cyberpunk or the next WWE 2K. You know, what the hell is the name of that, that, that video game that Kurt Schilling developed? You better hope this thing doesn't flop. Because if it does, you're just further exposed. And daddy's going to turn off that faucet. Okay, that's enough. You've played enough with your toys there in AEW, your your real life toys. I'm not going to sink any more money. I'm not going to watch you waste your inheritance on crap like this. Earth to Anthony. Smartened up. Stop allowing these nerds, these humanoids that you have on, on... part of your payroll there to force you to just make ridiculous business decisions smarten up that is my advice for that guy over there he he won't take it you know he's going to continue to do foolish things and that's fine we'll continue to have a good time reporting on it that's right speaking of reporting on things i just want to i'm going to end on this note i am so fed up with the lies, the deceptive practices, these 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 media, quote unquote, because they're not real media. Most of them are not educated. You know, they're not media. These media types who they are just trying to squeeze a, a, another dime out of you, and they'll lie. Ooh, I got some breaking news happening on 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 the Brock Lesnar front. Check out my Patreon. Oh, he's coming. It's happening. Oh, he's coming soon. And then it doesn't happen. Oh, you know, there's conflicting reports here and I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you moron. Uh, Let me just say this. Certainly on this show, I have reported on news and rumors and things like that. I've been guilty of that. There's no two ways about it. Right. But that stops now. Going forward on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast I will only report on what's verified and coming out of the mouths of the sources or it's coming from a guest who is sharing what's coming out of the mouth of somebody and that they've been able to verify. It's going to be verified. And no, I'm not talking about opinion. Of course, anyone could give opinion and analysis, but there's not going to be any rumors happening here. We're going to talk straight. And I've been doing that all along, but I didn't make a big deal about it. I'm going to make a big deal about it now. 
I really, if you notice, I, I've gotten away from talking about the rumors so much, especially over the past year and a half. I've really gotten away from the rumor stuff because it's just, it's crap. And most of it is just made up drivel. And I'm not going to keep boosting these guys who are, they're just hurting the industry when they do this stuff. So that's, that's enough of that. It's not going to happen anymore. We're just going to talk about what's verified. We're going to give analysis, give opinion, and just let it all hang out. Of course, we're going to have great interviews from the sources themselves, because that's the thing. None of the sources say crap. Go directly to the newsmakers and ask them direct questions and have them answer those questions on the record. That's called real integrity. If you really care about doing media that makes sense, that's how you get it done. That's how we do it here. So continue to listen to this space because you can bet things are going to get really interesting, especially on the ratings front. You know, I've been leading the charge on this ratings talk. I've been telling you that it's a bunch of made up baloney. I've been telling you it's an inaccurate. The information keeps coming out of the industry, backing up what I'm saying. But I'm going straight to the sources, folks. And I'm, I can't reveal who it is yet, but you wait. We're going to turn up the heat. And really make these knuckleheads, these humanoids, have to answer for their sins on making up all this dribble. That's right. Okay. Until next week, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Catch you next week, folks. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs>